Segway song into our next guest who's very much got that uh, and she's an athlete who keeps on giving. She gave her very all uh, when she was in the pool representing representing Australia and she's giving it all back again in her role now as a gold medal alumni as Australia starts to really gear up to Tokyo 2020. It's literally, I know it feels like a long way away, but it's literally just around the corner. She won three Olympic gold medals and Liesl Jones, one of our all-time greats, has been good enough to join us. Hello, Liesl. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, when you're an Olympian um, and you're sitting uh, the year before the Olympics, you know, about a year and two or three months out, how close does it start to feel? Actually, uh, when you just mentioned it, then all the little butterflies started in my really? stomach. And I thought, it's actually, yeah, it's actually quite close and it's a lot closer than I expected. And, you know, you, you finish an Olympic Games campaign, it's another four years to the next one, but it just, it really does go by so quickly and you have World Championships and Commonwealth Games in between there and you sort of just tackle each one as it comes and then by the time you know it, it's it's four years has passed and for me, just even looking back at Rio, which I also didn't compete in, uh, but it, it just seems like it's flown by and I think uh, the the current athletes would probably say the same. It's it's really unbelievable that Tokyo 2020 is next year. Liesl, at, what's, at what point do you go into absolute Olympic mode and I guess what I, what I mean by that and I wonder whether you get into this mode absolutely at any stage but where you just give yourself nothing outside of the absolute in terms of food in terms of a late night in terms of a chocolate bar in terms of a drive-through on the way home whatever it might be when do you how close to Olympic Games do you cut all of that off? Well, I think most swimmers would probably do that all year round. All they year round. World, all year round. They would do a world, world championship, say, for example. They'd have about four weeks break out of the pool and then it's straight back into it. So for those four weeks, you can sort of relax a little bit um, and, and do whatever you need to do. Stay away from the pool, have a break and switch off completely. But once you're back into that cycle, you'll very rarely see swimmers in particular doing anything outside of that. And I know... When I was an athlete, particularly, uh, yeah, so probably about 48 weeks of the year, I was very strict. I uh, didn't really do take, uh, didn't do takeaway ever, really. Yeah. And um, yeah, you'd be focused pretty much all year round. But I would think for Tokyo 2020, I would say after World Championships this year, they'll switch off a bit for four weeks and then they'll refocus for Olympics next year. So they won't be particularly front of mind Olympics just yet, um, but they will be conscious of their performances and how that leads up and and just stepping stones on the way to to Olympic level. How, if you, if you do, if, if an athlete, you know, with everything in front of them that you've just described, does give themselves, you know, half a day off at some stage, what does that do psychologically? If you if you do, you know, go out and, I don't know, have a bowl of ice cream or something <laughs> that you shouldn't be having. I mean, I'm sure they do somewhere along the line. They must just give themselves half a luxury that they know they shouldn't be. But if they do, is that, surely that's more of a psychological impact than it is a physical one. 
Of course it is. And it wouldn't impact them at all. I mean, they could probably eat 10 bowls of ice cream and it wouldn't affect them because of the calories that they're burning every single day is just next level. And 10 bowls of ice cream probably wouldn't even affect them. Mm. It's just if you did that every day. So, you know, they would, on a Saturday night, they probably could go out if they really wanted to. I'm guessing they'd be absolutely shattered by Saturday morning when that's your final session. You finish at 11 o'clock in the morning. You've been training since 6 o'clock on Saturday morning you're pretty shattered come six o'clock on on saturday night anyway so i wouldn't have even had the energy to go out and do anything so when you're that next level and and point oh one is the difference between gold and silver at an olympics you really can't take that many risks you just can't uh you know have even one session that's suboptimal it's really about achieving things at that really peak level and Yes, it is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of focus, but that's what they do. They're Olympic athletes and they want to be next level, so they have to seriously be next level. It's great. Um, it's great what you and a whole lot of your former Olympic colleagues are doing. It's part of this AIS program that we're learning a bit more about. The Gold Medal Ready is the name of the program. And as part of that, uh, ex-Olympians like yourself are part of the Gold Medal alumni, Liesl. What, what, what is this all about? Well, it's really amazing, actually, and this is the concept of the Australian Institute of Sport and really what they wanted to do was get athletes gold medal ready and and that means different things to different people look we've had meetings with gold medal alumni and we've argued what does gold medal ready mean because it's different things to different athletes and, and that's totally fine but it's really about exposing athletes to situations that are really out of your control or are not very comfortable and getting them comfortable with the uncomfortable because guaranteed that happens every time um, and our role is about translating the experiences that they're having and putting and telling stories that we might have experienced ourselves and so it's really about sharing I think in that room we had over 150 years of experience in sport and sharing those stories and making things feel normal and making them feel okay and you know, th stressful situations and what your body's doing in that situation. And uh, I know for me, uh, before 2008 Olympics, I used to yawn a lot before the Games. And yeah. I thought, well, I must be so bored. People think I'm not interested. And actually, it was just a stress response. And until I found that that was normal, I thought there was something wrong with me. So it's us sharing stories for them to make sure that they they know what's expected of them come Olympics time and and just the pressure and expectations that they're going to be feeling and, and just normalising that, I guess. So that, that's a fantastic thing that you're doing because a lot of these athletes are going to find themselves in these positions, I imagine, and confronted by these situations for the first time. Can can you remember what that sense was like? It's a, it's a long time ago. Well, not that long ago for you, but, but I'm asking you to go back to that one of those first memories that you have of what is this like what are, I mean you talk about the kind of stress reaction that you had but the magnitude of an Olympic Games and um, what that does to an individual maybe even without them knowing that this is coming what what can you remember what what that sensation is was like of, of that moment being arrived at Oh, absolutely. And I was 14 when I was selected for my first Olympic Games. Unbelievable, Lisa. It's places. unbelievable. It's I know. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't... 
I know, and I look at these kids and I think I was actually three or four years younger than you at my first Olympic Games and uh, I was selected at 14 I turned 15 the week before the Olympics and I just remember feeling so overwhelmed and I know now as a 33-year-old I enjoy being at home, I like routine, um, I like being with people that I know well and who know me well and so for a 14-year-old girl to be thrown into a situation where I was not comfortable, I was the next next person in age to me was 18 years of age. God. I had never met her before. She was my roommate. Beautiful. Sibylla Good, her name was. She was the most beautiful human being you'll ever meet. But it was just so overwhelming. I've been put into this Olympic environment of a village where I'm, you know, there's American athletes around, there's Germans, there's South Africans, you know, there's just just so overwhelming and I think if I can impart anything that I've ever learnt throughout my career it'd be something like that for the younger athletes that go I've been thrust into this village and on the world stage and I was at a home Olympics which makes it even worse and so uh, you know it's just it's about imparting that wisdom and what that feels like and and, yeah, not to be overwhelmed yeah. by it because I certainly was. I, I think the way you said before, normalise it. I think, you know, you're in an abnormal environment. Obviously, this is not every day for every person. But at that level, for those athletes, this is what they've been training to be part of, even if they didn't know that it was going to look like this and feel like this. And um, I, I wonder how you kind of um, dealt with it at that age. I mean, at 14, you, you, you're just starting out on your life. You're just starting to look learn what things are all about and you still don't really know anything at 14, Liesl. Yeah. How, how did you... I didn't even know who I was right. as a person. Well, so. how, how did you, I mean, how did you kind of make sense of it all? I didn't really, I don't think. I think I stumbled around in the dark for a very long time, just feeling my way through and and hoped that I came out the other side in one piece. And uh, and being naive, I think, is a wonderful thing too. That was really something that was on my side. I had no idea what I was doing and, and didn't put any pressure on myself to perform and just was really just flying blind and just hoping, fingers crossed, for the best. So it, it worked in my favour and I would have loved to have actually gone back to that time where I was super naive and, and didn't really know what was going on. But it's... I just, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I don't think you can, and I don't think anyone telling you stories makes you mm. know what to do in that situation. So my, if I ever share my wisdom with particularly young athletes, I always just say, look, embrace this feeling of not knowing what you're doing because it's such a great thing to have. It's um, You sort of just take things as it comes. And, and I mean, I was extremely overwhelmed with all the experiences that I had. So hopefully those athletes are a bit more confident than I ever was. But yeah, I think it's just taking it step by step. And that's sort of the wisdom that we're trying to share with younger athletes. It's really interesting. And it's a fantastic thing that you're part of. We're talking to Liesl Jones. Uh, can I just step slightly sideways here? There's a story that, um, and I'm not sure how aware of the National Basketball Association you are, but the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, um, has talked about the pressures that are on basketballers at that level, and he's talked about the fact that a lot of these players are living in a time of 
anxiety and he, he drives a lot of it um, home to social media and the impact that these players have welcomed into their world, into their lives, that they want to make themselves a brand and they want to open themselves up to the fans and make themselves very accessible. But clearly there's been a, a negative um, aspect to all of this for these players to um, have a sense of. And, and, and Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, talks about a lot of players being unhappy Liesl, do you do you get that? Do you understand with all the money, all the fame, everything that comes with being a high-paid, high-profile basketballer or an Olympic gold medalist, and this is part of, I guess, what's going to sit in front of some of these athletes that you're talking to, that for oh, all of that, you, you, yeah, this, yeah, this might be part of that? Oh, absolutely. And I, I completely agree 100% with every one of those statements because athletes now... When back when I was an athlete, we had managers and they dealt with our brand as such and there was no expectations for social media. We didn't have to post everything and, and also too, there was that element of surprise and so I couldn't follow my competitors who might be training in the US or China or Russia. I couldn't follow their progress. I didn't know what they were doing or what they were up to and they didn't know my strategies either. So there was no expectation for me to share anything or what sort of um, fitness level I'm at. And and this is just another thing that this generation has to deal with and, and I can see how it would be very negative for athletes. And it's just another thing that they have to deal with. It's mm. We had expectations on us to endorse brands and brands aligned with us and paid us money to endorse their brands and to be out there speaking about their brands because... We had achieved things and we had um, great reputations and maybe spoke clearly or aligned with their brand and that's all we had to do. This now is just another world that I would I would struggle as an athlete now to deal with. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's just something else. They, they have to be this walking, talking brand every day and posting what they're doing and there's no secrets, secrecy with their training. They're sort of expected to share everything about their lives and I think that must be very challenging for them and it's it, it would be such a difficult thing as a young athlete to have to juggle as well on top of your training. Well, you, you've you've swung along alongside, you know, men and women who have, have gone to Olympic Games as part of, you know, one of the great hopes of an Australian Olympic team and, and several have, you know, fulfilled their destiny and, and, and met the expectation. Others haven't. There's going to be some, I guess, that you're going to talk to as part of your role as the gold medal alumni who, who will go to Tokyo and won't achieve what they want to achieve and what some are hoping and expecting they will lose. What would your advice be to them in terms of being open to social media and the people who can, in inverted commas, get at them? What, what might you say to those people if they don't um, achieve what they, they hope to achieve? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one and the fallout is a big part of something that a lot of people don't really talk about and I guess that's something we can share as well. It took me to my third Olympic Games to win an Olympic individual gold medal. Mm. So I had that try and I wouldn't say fail. It's definitely not a failure. It's just not achieving the level that you were probably expected to and, and coming back and working and it's that tenacity and that coming back and that getting back into training and finding that 
passion and desire to want to go back and do it again and how much it means to you. And so that's something I think that's a unique stand that I can take with helping people. And, and everyone in the alumni has different um, strengths and different preparations and different information that they can pass on to people. And that's something that I can share with athletes is they might have been to Olympic Games in the past and achieved gold um, and may have achieved silver or bronze and are so ready to, to take the gold so they understand that and and that feeling and that frustration. So hopefully if there's something we, we are talking about getting them gold medal ready and about achieving gold medals, but realistically we've got to understand that for some people it just doesn't happen on the day and, and in swimming it can be 0.01 of a second. <laughs> so I think the, the best piece of advice I can ever give is in the lead up always be true to you and if you are a out there I'm going to win gold that's what I'm going to achieve I'm going to do it in this time and you want to do that you have to live with that and and live that every day but if you're not one of those people that wants to shout from the rooftops and to the media and to everyone who will listen that I'm going to be a gold medalist don't do it it's um it's about embracing who you are as an athlete and what works for you and being comfortable with that they're clearly lucky to have you in their corner Liesl Uh, you and the others who are going to make themselves available as part of uh, the gold medal pro- ready program that is uh, being launched by the Australian Institute of Sport. It's a terrific thing that the current crop uh, have got available to them and they're in good hands. It's been great to have a chat to you today. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Good on you. Liesl Jones, three times she won gold medal for Australia at Olympic Games, a host of silvers alongside and some really salient words in amongst all of that. North Melbourne.